So if you've ever been asked the question, so if your friends all jumped off a bridge, would you? Right? Would you join them? Would you follow suit? Maybe you aren't asked exactly in those words, but I, I imagine all of us at some point of our life have been asked, like, are you just going to be a follower? Are you just going to follow the crowd, go with the flow? Or are you going to be, are you going to stand up and be a person of conviction and do what is right, even when it's unpopular, even when it's difficult? You know, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to stand out. We're not supposed to just blend in, right? We, in a ways, we can kind of be trendsetters. We can be different. We can be the ones that lead and, and are different because of the way that we love one another, the way that we forgive one another, the way that we stand upon our true faith convictions and we stand up for Jesus and say, yeah, like, call me weird, call me different. I am, right? Because I, I believe that there is a God who created the world and he loved it so much that he died on the cross for his sins and, and we're, we're going to be redeemed someday. And it's like, it's crazy, but I, I have that hope. It makes me different, makes me stand out. But I know sometimes in our everyday lives, it's easy just to kind of lack the energy, lack the conviction to be able to stand out. You know, when you have, when there are con conversations at the office or in your neighborhood or at your home and people are maybe making fun of people of faith and you're kind of just tempted to just kind of be silent or to blend in and not do anything. Else. How do we be people of conviction? How do we be people of conviction? I want to look at, Bible, at a Bible story today uh, about a man who was, had an incredible conviction, incredible courage, and learned from his story so that we can follow suit. And his name is Daniel. Maybe probably some of you probably know his story. Right in chapter one, we see that he is, as a kid, kidnapped, taken to Babylon, this pluralistic culture, where King Nebuchadnezzar is king. And he says, hey, I want you to blend in. I want you to just fit in here. And so that means you're going to eat what we eat. And while this goes against his faith convictions, he knows that what the king wants to serve him goes against his diet, the diet that he knew he was supposed to eat in order to honor God, kind of show his commitment, his relationship to his heavenly father. And so he's got a decision to make. Am I just going to blend in or am I going to stand out and trust that God is with me, that he won't let me down? And well, he has the conviction to continue to trust God. And he says, I'm not going to eat that. I'm sorry. Let me just eat vegetables and water instead. And well, God honors that decision. He becomes wiser, becomes stronger, more healthy than all the other people that were in the king's food. And he grows in favor with not only God, but the king as well. And so he rises in power in Babylon. And then in chapter six, we see there's a new king on the throne. There's actually a new whole empire. And King Darius is now the head of this new empire, and he likes Daniel too. He, he puts Daniel in charge, a very powerful member of his cabinet. Unfortunately, though, there are some other people in Darius's cabinet that don't like Daniel. They don't like his faith. They don't like where he comes from. You know, they, they're like, you're different. We don't like you. And so they do whatever they can. They start thinking of plans. How do we undermine him? How do we get him out of here? How do we... And they actually come up with a plan, not just to kick him out of office, but to actually take his life. Yeah, this is like, this is backbiting politics 101. This is not good. It's not good. And so they figure out a plan. They say, hey, they go to King Darius. Say, Darius, Darius, you're like a very mighty, wise, powerful king, most powerful king in the world, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I am. And so why would anybody go to anybody else to ask for help? Like, Darius, like that's an insult if people go to other people for help. Isn't that kind of undermining your authority? Why would anybody go to anybody else except you as the most powerful person in the world for help? 
Derek's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How, how dare they go to anybody else for help? If people need help, you know, they should come to me and, and to my kingdom. And, you know, we, we, we got all those resources that people need and, and we've got it figured out and we're wise and all this stuff. And so, yeah, nobody can go to anybody else. He says, yeah, yeah, if anybody prays, you know, if anybody asks, if anybody worships another God, prays to another God, doesn't go to you, okay, they should be thrown into the lines. I think you should put that into the law. And Darius says, yeah, 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 like I am the most powerful person. I'm the people that, I'm the one people should go to, to bend down, rely on, and worship, right? I am worthy of that. And so they actually signs this decree into law. And so Darius, or Daniel's wondering, okay, what do I do? Do I just go with the flow? Do what everybody else is doing? Or do I be a man of conviction and continue to worship and pray to my one true God? Verse 10 of chapter 6 tells us what Daniel does. I love it. Gives us a little secret to how we can be people of courage and conviction. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he has done before. And so we see that prayer was just a habit for Daniel. So it's, not, it's like, I don't know, it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's just habitual. So maybe he wasn't even thinking about it. He just kind of like every day just kind of goes down and he wasn't even thinking about it. I don't know. But we know that how he prayed, okay, was this way. Number one, he would face Jerusalem. He would face Jerusalem because Jerusalem, that was, you know, in his culture, in his world, kind of where God dwelled. There was a special place in Jerusalem. You know, there was the temple at one point. It had been destroyed. But, you know, in Jerusalem, people could go and worship God as the holy city. And so he postures himself saying, that's, I'm worshiping that God. You know, I'm not, I'm not bowing down to any of God. I'm worshiping to the God of Israel, my heavenly father. And, and it says that he starts with thanksgiving. He starts with thanksgiving. And, and if we're going to be people of conviction, we've got to start our day in prayer with thanksgiving. Because you know what daily gratitude does for you? It gives you courage. It actually helps you be happy and encourage you. It lifts your spirits. I mean, scientifically, sci- there have been su- studies that have shown that when we practice daily gratitude, it actually helps our brain produce the hormones that we need to be feel good, feel happy, okay? Not be discouraged and not have our shoulders down, you know, but to whew, kind of put our chest up and say, things are good. Thank you, God. And so, number one, start your prayers off with gratitude, what you have to be thankful for. I'm not exactly sure what Daniel prayed for. What he said, thank you to maybe God. Hey, God, I thank you for being my heavenly father. You know, I thank you for providing me with job. I thank you for always being with me. I don't know what, but every day we need to find things to be grateful for and tell God, thank you. It'll benefit us. It'll give us more courage, more conviction, a little more energy to be able to stand out and love people as we're called to love people. Second thing I see in Daniel's prayer here is he got on his knees he didn't just face Jerusalem, but he got on, he faced Jerusalem and then he got on his knees to pray. Now, why did he get on his knees? I don't know how you pray, but I know for me, I get on my knees when I roll out of bed, just drop on my floor, get on my knees and, and spend time with God on my knees. And that posture, I believe, helps me get into a position of prayer, of reverence, and helps my mind focus on God, right? Because our, our bodies and minds are connected. And oftentimes, our, the posture of our body helps, our, helps put us in a mental state to be able to focus on God. You know, it's often said, I remember playing college soccer and my captain saying, guys, your body will do what your mind tells it to do. 
this is after like running, you know, all these sprints. It's like, well, my mind says you're going to die soon. So stop, stop running. But he was like, no, you can get, you can tell yourself you can keep going. You can do one more sprint. And in a way, okay, it's kind of true. If you can convince your mind that it's possible, okay, then your body can possibly follow suit. But the same thing is true in reverse. When we posture ourselves physically, our mind will follow suit. And so we get on our knees to bow to our heavenly father in reverence and humility and meekness and say, God, we're not worthy of you. So we bow in reverence of you. And when we bow in reverence of God, it tells our mind, hey, it's time to pray. It's time to focus on God. Now, you know, sometimes during prayer, it might be good to like get up and celebrate, you know, because that's what you do when you typically you celebrate. You get up on your feet and you clap and you raise your hands. And I mean, the Bible, the New Testament actually does say, I, I come, you know, the Apostle Paul says, I command men everywhere to raise up holy hands and worship in a prayer to God. So that there's a, there's a point for that as well. But we see in Daniel here that he got on his knees to remind himself of who was in charge, who was on the throne. And so he would get on his knees and he would pray and put himself in a, a position, a posture to be able to worship God and to realize where his courage and conviction would come from. It's not something that he produced himself. It was something that he received from the king who was on the throne that he was bowing down to. And so this is what I want you to take away from today's devotional. That, that getting on your knees, okay? Kneeling to pray produces the power we need to stand, okay? Getting on your knees to pray produces the power we need to stand, to be people of con- conviction and courage. So that's my encouragement for you today. And when you, when you pray next, whether you're at home, your office, wherever it might be, get on your knees. Spend some time of, if, if, when you're praying on your knees, bowing to God, revering him and saying, God, you're on his throne. I can't even stand in your presence because you're so holy. And that'll hopefully, I think, give us a little more courage, conviction, power to stand.